matter the consequences because he has stood for you. Jesus, Jesus, the church must stay focused on the living word. The mantle is falling. I'm telling you, there's things coming from heaven we've never experienced before. And I, and I started getting this when I was reading about Stephen in the Bible. I'm just a Stephen fan. I am a Stephen fan in the Bible. And uh, he was a pretty remarkable man. I thought that we would honor him tonight by just reading the two chapters about him. It's his epilogue. It's, his, it's what he did and what's recorded for us to know. And pretty awesome man. And there was a time in the church when the church was growing. And the, the men of God, the ministry gifts, they wanted to pray, study, and seek the Lord. And so they couldn't do all the physical things and they couldn't supply all the material things. So they, they needed servants, which we call deacons. And they're basically ministers. And so the apostles told the, 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 their disciples, the deacons, you know, y'all get, get some guys together and y'all take care of the widows. Y'all take care of the tables. Y'all take care of things. And so they elected Stephen. And they elected him because he was full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. And if you read about him in Acts 6 and 7, he's full of the Word of God. And he probably just ran the camera. I'm just being a little funny there, you know, but he, he was a help. He was a ministry help in the church, but at the same time, the boy could preach. And really, in the Bible, he was the first real preacher to start preaching. He was the first to be martyred, a deacon, sold out, just totally sold out, not ashamed, not afraid. And he just... He started preaching, and when I read what he was saying, man, he knew the word. He was, he was preaching the Old Testament scriptures word by word. Boom, 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 boom. He was talking to the Israelites. I mean, he was just preaching the word of God. And when I started thinking about this, but when he was preaching to the Israelites, you know, they like grew up together with all these people. They were in the same synagogues. They, so he's preaching the word. And I'm sure the Pharisees, you know, they're kind of skeptical, skeptical because people were looking at him. They called him to the carpet about some things. He was so anointed they were trying to get some trash on him. So they paid some people to say some things that were wrong about him so they could bring him in and question him. And so they started questioning him. And when they started questioning him, people that were watching him they said that his face would light up like an angel. He was anointed. And so he started preaching. And I'm sure in his preaching there was a lot of amens because he was just quoting the scriptures that the Israelites knew. It was the law that they were following that he was preaching. So I'm sure there were some amens. But the end result of his altar call was not good. <laughs> you know, when people rush you, after you preach, <laughs> it's not good. I think there'll be days coming when we preach in the gospel. You better leave the car running outside. 
Because <laughs> people, you know, people, the truth bothers people because a lot of people know better and they have consciousness. Their consciousness is being pricked. And when you preach the truth, they know it's true, but it bothers them because their evil deeds are being exposed. That's what happened. Anybody ever got around the gospel and somebody started telling the truth and, you know, or in maybe in the early days of your life or maybe before you were saved? How about that? Man, I had all kinds of things going on when I was being preached to before I was saved. I wasn't a happy camper. God forbid you'd bring me in a church like this. I will just manifest. It, it wasn't good. I'd get mean and ugly because the truth bothered me. Because I knew down in my spirit, I didn't understand it all, but I knew it was right. So listen to this. <clears throat> Sue, I'm sorry I put you through all of that. You know, <clears throat> when we start taking territory, the enemy gets very, very upset bad responses don't ever move people who are compelled by the truth and love this dude never ever retaliated all the opposition the attack he never ever retaliated you know, when we're full of the Holy Ghost and full of the love and compassion of God, and we know that we have something people need, and if they knew what we knew, they wouldn't even be attacking us, it's worth it to preach the gospel. Y'all going to like this tonight. And so Stephen was a very obscure person, probably overlooked for a long time, not recognized, maybe considered least likely. And the Lord showed me that, the, that, that God's going to begin to raise up people, people like Stephen, people that have been in the background, people that have just been faithful, people that just have served and studied the word and lived holy, and they're just kind of in the backdrop of Christianity. God's going to start touching those people and bringing them to the forefront. That's going to be the ones that, run with the gospel. And, and just everything in this story is so powerful. And so I just want to talk about it tonight. And the Lord showed me something, and I've never, ever talked about this, preached about this. And, um, of course, Brother Clayton's always on. He talked about that Jesus defeated death. We've overcome so the title of my message is A Biblical View of Death. And, you know, we've been talking about our relationships, our relationships with money, our relationships with one another, our relationship with the devil Sunday. It needs to be bad. He has no place. Our relationship with the word, the relationship with the spirit. And so tonight, I know this sounds weird, but we're going to talk about our relationship with death. And before I got saved, I never wanted to talk about death. I remember when my daddy came up to me and he looked at me in my eyes and he said, you know, I'm, 
I'm putting all my life in order. Uh, I'm going to have a will. I'm going to need y'all to sign off on some things. And when he started talking about his death, it really upset me because I didn't want to hear about my daddy dying. Who, who wants to hear about that? You know, talking about how he's going to leave things and what he's going to leave and he's not going to be here. And I mean, who wants to hear that? But he actually was preparing to die and getting his life in order. So since I've been a Christian, I've been getting my life in order to die if Jesus doesn't come back. I really have. I'm, 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 60, I'm going to be 65 next Thursday if Jesus doesn't come back. I, it, listen, I'm past halfway. You understand? People say, I'm going to live 120. You probably won't. You know, we all did that. You know, the man days 120. Yeah, I'm going to live 120. I probably won't. I'll probably hit 95. But my, I'm, I'm beyond halfway. And so at 65, you start to think about things differently. I told Susan, I looked at the backside of my hand, and it actually looks old. Doesn't it? No, it doesn't look bad, but it's, we're waxing old. You know, it's just, we're just, things are changing. And uh, it doesn't really accelerate as you get older, but you just become aware of it. And you start to plan your life a little better. I mean, you can be wise like I'm talking right now at 25, and there are young men like that, but it's something about aging. It, you know, aging, when you see us, when you look in the mirror and you're not the same, you, you just start to plan better. You know, uh, y'all know when Tony was here, uh, Jay, I was by Jay praising God, and Jay go, whoa! And man, when I was young in the Lord, the Spirit of God would hit me. I'd go, whoa! Now sometimes I get up and I go, whoa! <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the same sound, <laughs> but it's not the touch of the Lord. It's just my body's just not working right or like it used to. So, Death is not glamorous. It's not romantic. I don't care what Hollywood does. You know how the person, he's the hero, and he dies, and then everybody claps, and everybody, you know. And so death is really not that. Uh, to be a martyr is horrifying. It's, it's not pleasant. Who, who wants it, you know? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The last enemy that will be put under the feet of Jesus is death. Jesus will personally put death to death. We were never created to die. That's, we were never, ever created to die. Adam and Eve were not created to die. Had they not sinned, they'd probably be in my service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, Jesus, and of course, you know, once sin is in the planet, everything is tilted and twisted. And so Jesus never sinned, so he, you know, he laid his life down. 
And so he could have lived, I don't know how long, but it wasn't the Father's will for him to do that. There was a time. And so death was never, ever planned for mankind. We were not created to die. Boy, we got the short end of the stick, didn't we? <laughs> that we have to go through this uh, or step over, should I say, this thres threshold. Death is a curse, and it came into the world by sin. There was no death in the world until sinner, sin entered. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall, he, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You ever laboring in the Lord and sometimes just think, man, what am I doing? It, it, it's, <laughs> am I really? Am Really? <laughs> What, what am I doing? Is this, I mean, is anybody going to be sensible one day? You know, y'all dealing with disciples, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with family, and sometimes it gets a little uh, discouraging. But Jesus actually defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we see in Exodus 12, 23, when the death angel or the destroyer was coming, you know, to destroy the firstborn, but had they put the blood over their doorposts, he had to pass over. And so the precious blood of Jesus helps us with this death thing. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus beats death. The, the blood of Jesus. Jesus defeated death. Uh, let me just read a couple of more things. Revelation 1:17. And when I saw him, this is John, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me. How about Jesus touching you like that tonight? Saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive. He defeated death. Got out the grave. Amen. And I have the keys to Hades and of death. It's powerful. He, he defeated, death couldn't hold him in the grave. Couldn't hold him down. And so my point tonight is that actually death is a servant to us. We don't serve it. And I'll explain that. Death is really, Jesus really enslaved death. And death is on a chain. It can only do so much. And death is working in this world. That's a big factor that we deal with. Everything is waxing old. And it shouldn't be. 
You get your paycheck, it goes. You buy a brand new car, a ding and a dent. Not every Dodge, but not. I mean, Clayton's truck, you can walk up to it and a black man could see him in his black truck. I mean, the thing is, but, but still, it will get old. Everything, everything, if it's red and it's in the weather, it starts to, everything tarnishes. Everything fades. Everything begins to decay. It's just, it's what death did when sin brought it into the world. Nothing lasts. Y'all got that? And so I got this message when I was reading about uh, Stephen because he, death, he, death didn't bother him. I want to get this. I, I really want to get this, that, that death does not bother me. And so let me read. I was going to read all about him, but we're not going to do that for time's sake. What's your answer? Bother. It doesn't bother him. Bother. Y'all knew what I meant? It doesn't bother. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. This is in Acts 7, 54. Now he's preaching. But then he said a couple of things like this, like, you know this law that you serve? Angels brought that to you. And you don't even do it. I mean, he was just preaching scriptures, but when he started talking about what they were doing wrong, then they started, it started to bother them. Truth bothers people. And I'm telling you, if you're going to preach the gospel and live by the truth, you're going to mess up some relationships. Uh, it just happens. It, it's, 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 in, it's in the scriptures. And really, these people that are attacking Stephen, this is people he went to church with. He was in the synagogue with, probably grew up with. This could be his brothers. This could be some of his sisters. This could be his daddy. This could be his family. This is people in Jerusalem that he knew and they ran around and, you know, had birthday parties together, whatever. But when he started preaching the truth and he started tinkering with people's wrongdoings, they started to rise up. They started to attack him. And so I'm telling you, if you're going to preach the gospel, you're not always going to get a good response. And so just be ready for that. I'm, I'm always ready for the worst. Expect the worst. You know, I mean, by faith, we believe in people to hear him, but people get mad. Y'all know that? So I'm going to read you verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being filled with the sheik out of Mahasa, called it a badande. <laughs> but he, being filled with the kaba, roke, mananda, the Bible says he gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God. That's what we were singing tonight, talking about the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, that's power and position. 
And listen, he's saying it to the Jews. And Jesus had already told them all who he was. He said, I am. They, they knew who he was confessing to be. And so at this point, they're not dealing with Jesus. They're dealing with Stephen. And he's saying the same thing, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Position and power. The Messiah. That's what he's saying. And so they're hearing it again. So they're like, no, we don't want to hear this again. And so they are furious. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, he was so much like Jesus. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Does that sound familiar? Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Does that sound familiar? And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Just like Jesus fell asleep. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Death is our servant. Y'all ready for this? We talked about it a little bit Sunday that when the things were, that thing was going bad in the Corinthian church, that man was fornicating. Paul put him out of, the, out of the church and he really gave him over to Satan that Satan could deal with his flesh that his spirit could be saved. Paul just knew he had to let him go and let him just find his way because if his flesh didn't get dealt with, he would not ever get right. So he just turned him loose. That almost sounds mean. But he basically turned him over to death is what he did. Jesus is more concerned about our spirit than our flesh. He knows the flesh is not willing, but he knows what he can do through your spirit. Acts 7, 54, it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. And so this is in the faith of death. Now, probably none of us will die by the sword or have to renounce Jesus, I don't think, in our lifetime. I'm wondering about my own children and my grandchildren if Jesus does not return. But in the face of death, expect to see the glory of God. Now let's just take it in the everyday challenges in life. <laughs> Are they deadly? Does it feel like death? I mean, how am I going to get through this? What we, I'm just telling you, when the hardest thing hits you in life, when people come against you, when the challenge seems like it's just so overwhelming, expect to see the glory of God. Death was working for Stephen right here. And the Lord just showed me this. You know, in the carnal understanding of death, like for instance, when somebody, I've seen so many people die. So many people die. And I'm telling you, if, 
if you're not, if you don't know the love of Jesus and you don't know the Lord and you hadn't been serving the Lord, death is terrible. This, this thing that people go through, I see bitterness. I see resentment and anger and self-pity. And there's a lot of heartache and all of this death stuff. Y'all understand? So whenever we're faced with death, be looking for the glory of God. Y'all not getting it. Just be looking for the glory of God. You'll see something you never saw before. I deal with a lot of people in church going through things. And if their hearts are right and they're seeking the Lord, they start seeing things they never saw before because they don't have an avenue to get out of what they're in. And all of a sudden, they're looking for God. They're expecting to see God because they've ran every course, tried everything, and now they're going to give God last resort. Give God a little time. And when they do that, all their, the only hope they have is God comes through. And in that death situation, heaven starts to open up. You ever see people like that? They are down and out, don't know what to do. And all of a sudden they get a hold of Jesus and they start talking like they have hope. And you feel like, man, I wish I had faith like that. Yeah, and they have nothing. Y'all ever run across people like that? I remember you, John. I was thinking about you when you were going through what you were going through with this one. Uh, you know, and everybody, everybody has gone through something. And you remember when you were going through it, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. And all of a sudden, you started looking to God, and he started showing himself. Just expect to see the glory of God when you're going through something hard. When people come against you, when people betray you, when people forsake you, when people talk down on you, whatever happens, just get that paradigm shift and just go to God and say, God, show me your glory. He was geared like that. I'm telling you, in death experiences, death can work for us. Y'all got this? That's how I got saved. I was in a dead place. That's how I got saved. Death worked for me. I didn't know it. I'm not giving death any credit. It's not glamorous. It's not good. I, I am not, but I'm just telling you. And God doesn't employ death. It's just what we live in. It's just what we're in. It's just this world that we live in. And so, man, when things hit me hard, I'm just looking for the glory of God. I'm looking for heaven to just be ripped open. I'm looking to see Jesus. I'm looking for the word of God and revelation to come to me and flood my heart that I can just get up and run again. Come on, somebody. God's response to life's bad response. This was God's response to Stephen's bad life response. The Holy Ghost hit him. Right before that, he said he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, y'all know we are being Filled. This is a present tense word. Well, we need to always be being filled. It's not like going to the filling station, fill up with gas and drive off. You go to the filling station, you put the nozzle in your car, and you drive off with the filling station. <laughs> You're always being filling station. That's what we used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the, at the worst place in his life, the Holy Ghost comes. Expect that too. Just expect the Holy Ghost to come. He's our comforter. It's his job to come and comfort us 
when we're going through these hard times. It's just his job. I'm telling you, death gives us the opportunity to really know the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking good about death. I'm just saying death is a servant to us. It tries to kill us, but it doesn't realize it. It's just making us more like Christ. If our hearts are right and we're really seeking the Lord. Y'all got that? Y'all ever heard anything like this? In Psalm 23, never saw this before. Even though we walk through the shadow of the, even though we walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me. In the valley of the shadow of death is dark. It's hard. There's wolves. I, I, I don't feel protected. He's with me. That's why he wants to expose himself. I'm telling you, death works for us. Y'all getting this? 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. I mean, did Jesus go through something? I mean, constantly, constantly. For those he came, he loved every one of them. All of us rejected him. But he was so close to the Father. It would just draw him closer to the Father. You understand? Every attack, every betrayal, every crazy thing that people were doing to him, it just drew him closer to the Father. Death was working for him too. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, how many of us, how many of us really acknowledge that? No, we go into a rage and a fit. They don't realize what I did for them. Who do they think they are? Just call yourself blessed if you're being persecuted. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory. There it is. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. I'm telling you, in every attack, the spirit of God's wanting to come. The spirit of God's, the Holy Ghost wanting to come and say, come on, let's do this together. Let's partner. Come on, trust me. I'm in you, you in me. Just walk it. Let's do this together. Extraordinary grace is needed in the times of death. Extraordinary grace comes. We can't do death alone. And I'm talking about physical death, but I'm also talking about the attacks and the things that we go through on a weekly basis. Man, if you're in business, it's up against you. If you're in ministry, it's up against you. If you have kids and in-laws and outlaws, everything. I mean, there's just so much going on. So we, we have to. We, we can't do this alone. We have to have the Holy Spirit. In the hour of death, now listen to this, or pain, or challenge, we can learn more than one hour in prosperity. I, I'm, I'm talking to Leslie Wilbert very prosperous guy. He'll tell you the story. I'm not talking bad about him, but kind of gotten a little crunch in life. And I mean, was like blowing and going in business. And then all of a sudden there's a turn. Y'all know how that happened. I mean, just things change. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like, it's not the same. And he told me, he said, I mean, with everything I had, I would have never seen what I see now. 
And I'm not, I'm pro-prosperity. But let's see the glory of God even in prosperity. Let's see it in good times. But I'm telling you, when you in the most desperate need, he is a very present help in a time of trouble. And Leslie started telling me, he said, man, I am a better person today. He's, he actually said, death has been serving me. I mean, I, I need God more than I ever need God before. Now, listen to me. We should need God when we're prosperous and everything is going good. You understand? We really should. But it's like we're not as dependent on him. And I'm not praying tribulation is coming. I'm not praying anybody betray you, but they will. I'm not praying you get offended, but that'll happen too. I'm just encouraging us when those things go the wrong way, just expect to see the glory of God. Just expect the Holy Spirit to begin to partnership or desire to partnership with you. Are y'all getting this? So I saw this when, uh, when I read this story. I just, this is what I saw. I saw, I, I could almost see the attacks. It's just vile. It, it, it's just abusive. It's horrific. It, it's almost like a civil war going on. Brothers, fathers, sisters. I mean, he's being attacked by his own city. It, it's got to be hard. It, it just really has to be hard. And this is what I saw. I saw this whole crowd coming towards Stephen, and it's like jaws. Don't, 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 don't. It was like a giant jaw of a shark. And as the jaw of death tried to grip him, he just saw right through the jaw of death and he saw heaven open up. It's just what God does. When death and the challenge approaches us and we're, we're close to God, all of a sudden his glory just shows. It's happened to me so many times. So many times I wanted to quit ministry. I mean, the jaw of death is coming and says, man, you ain't going to do it. You can't. And all of a sudden, when it's about to get you, I just look up and ask God. Amen. <laughs> and he saves me again. Isn't that cool? And one translation says this. His eyes were only on God. And he didn't notice anything else. How do you do that? The New Living's translation says... His eyes were only on God. <clears throat> his eyes were only on God. You understand? And he's being attacked. And his eyes are only on God. Oh, man, when I read that, I'm like, Lord, I want to live where my eyes are only on you. If I see your glory, if I'm in your glory, I'm going to see everybody right. I'm going to see my attackers right. I'm going to see my whatever, whoever does the wrong thing, I'll see, I'll see them right. I won't hold anything against them. And at this point, too, his face was shining. I'll never forget years ago, John Morgan, you remember him? I was fasting. I was going through some things as an early minister, just really going through some things. And I'm seeking the Lord. And I mean, I didn't realize how close I was getting to God. I was, when I was walking, it was like I wasn't even stepping on earth. I was just, I was so desperately in need for God, so dependent on his wisdom and knowledge and power to get me through what I'm going through. I, I, I wasn't even earthly anymore. 
And I walked up to that guy, and he was a very carnal Christian. He said, dude, you look like an angel. He said, I've never seen anybody. He said, it's just this glow on you. And that's for all of us. That's the glory of God. Yeah. And when we come, become totally dependent on the Lord, that anointing is on us. It's in us. It's around us. It's just what we carry. He's with us. Come on. That right there touches people. And also, in the death experience, everybody is watching. And you radiating. And you just see Jesus. And everybody else sees despair. And everybody else just sees an end. And it's not good. But you just see Jesus. And hope floods your soul. And love is shed abroad in your heart. And it's just, you're just functioning the way you were made to function in the midst of death. Come on. That's true belief. I love Stephen. I'm a fan of Stephen. And listen, in, in the jaws of death, now, now just picture, and we're not going to suffer in death. I, I've already got my death planned if Jesus don't come back. It's going to be good. <laughs> you know, I, I get around a lot of people, they're dying and, you know, they know Jesus. And you'd be surprised when people kind of like comatose and the vile things that come out of them. I said, God forbid, I'm laying on my deathbed and start cussing and talking about people and I don't want none of that in me. My God, I want to go out with a bang. And if, if we listen to this story, our departure can be greater and have a greater effect not being here than being here. How about that? How about some of that? You know, most good preachers, people that had Revelation, John G. Lake, um, you know, plenty of the, uh, yeah, they, they, they became more famous after they died. Because people had to deal with them living like Stephen. They had the glory of God on them and they would bother people because they were speaking the truth. So people didn't like a lot of these preachers. But when they died, they go through their books and their journals and they figure out how did they have this. And then they take what's good and they leave what's bad. And so I want to leave what's good. How about you? Man, I'm planning, I'm planning my, my departure already. <laughs> Stephen left us memories of him. Apparently he did it right. The Holy Ghost comforts us. So there was a window to see the glory of God. That was my first point. In the face of death, there's a window to see the glory of God and to see Jesus like you never saw him before. And this is what death does. It comes to you like the jaws of a shark. And, and you're thinking about your family. You know, I could be thinking about all my azaleas and my land and my house and my wife and the rainbow and my children and my grandchildren. And, and you know, death is trying to get you. But all of a sudden, you see Jesus. And it overshadows everything you ever experienced on earth. It overshadows every good thing, every good person that you've ever been acquainted with. The glory of God. Y'all get that? Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's the glory of God. 
the reason we, we, we scream these words, show me your glory, because there's death in this world. We know it could be better. We know it's not supposed to be like this. We know we're not supposed to be hurting. We're not supposed to be aching. We know there's not supposed to be poor people. We know people shouldn't be sick and dying of cancer, so we're screaming out, God, show us your glory. That's why we do it, because we want to see it. Even though we have plenty things right and a lot of things going on, the glory of God supersedes and overshadows every good thing on this earth. Come on. That was good. The next step was is that he looked up to heaven. The heavens were open. He saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand. And I, I said it that he hardly noticed what was going on in the natural. I mean, can y'all imagine not noticing? You know, we, we've... <laughs> we at times, you know, we, we have people hating us, but we don't know. And if we talk to enough people and listen to them, we'd probably get discouraged. <laughs> because we have no idea or why that somebody would not... You too, you the same way. And so we're like almost naive in our expectations and how we see people and the potential in them and how we want the best out of people. It almost looks like we're just naive and crazy. We believe anything. We just trust God no matter what. And then people try to throw things in there and, you know, make up things so we'd have a place that maybe we wouldn't trust God. Well, what if, what if your grandkids died? And what if, what if you, you know what I mean? And we're not even, I'm not concerned about that. I'm telling you, if I can keep my eyes on Jesus, if God shows me his glory, I'm good. Cast not your presence away from me. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me, Lord. Cleanse my heart, clean my heart, Lord. If there's any offensive way in me, Lord, lead me in the way of everlasting life, Lord. Search my heart, test my thoughts. I want to see your glory. Or you'll get depressed and discouraged. You understand, you'll always see what's wrong. His glory. I'm always looking. Expect it. Expect it. Expect his glory. And so we, we see a window open, and we see his glory, and we see Jesus. But then a, a, a little further, we actually can tell that he's about to join the glory. And join Jesus. So that's a door. So there's a window we can see. But further, as death is our servant, there's a door that we can actually step into the glory of God. And join Jesus. Join him. And see Jesus like we never saw him before. Death is working for us. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do you not, Lord, do not charge them for this, with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Death failed as a curse to destroy the love of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus. It failed. It tried to destroy Jesus and his love for us and discredit him and his holiness, and death failed. 
And again, death failed with Stephen. It didn't destroy his love for Jesus or love for mankind. It didn't destroy his holiness. It didn't mark his character. Y'all got it. Death again failed. And I'm telling you, death is going to fail with you too. It's not going to have you. You're gonna, it's going to serve you. You're not going to serve it. You understand? It's not going to lead you. It's not going to discourage you. You're gonna ser- it's going to serve you. Does that make sense? Death is really designed by the devil to bring heartache. That's what it's designed for, to bring heartache. Right? But it's going to serve us. Man, we go to a funeral home, everybody's crying, and we walk in there like, when I go to a funeral, I mean, it's the best preaching place on the planet because that man's in the, in the box. He's dead, and everybody knows he's dead, and everybody knows there's an eternal thing now. It's built in us. They know. They know something comes after that. And so there it is. In the midst of death, everybody's discouraged, but something inside of me is leaping like, we're going to bring hope in this place. Jesus is about to shine in the midst of death. I mean, I'm talking about physical death. I mean, if they wouldn't have pumped him up and shot some stuff in him, he'd be stinking. But in the midst of death, we bring hope. And I'm telling you, more people get saved in funeral homes than most churches. Because you get to a place you have to make a decision. And if you talk about eternity in a funeral home with somebody dead, somebody's about to get saved. Huh, Kevin? I'm just telling you. I I deputize people in here right now to do funerals. Really? If somebody asks you to do a funeral, you just come to me. I'll get you to sign the book. You go do the funeral. I'm the fallback guy. If, If somebody doesn't have a pastor or they're nobody, they call me and I go do it. I said, just call me. Wilbur, just call me. I'm, I'm, I'm on your payroll. They don't pay me nothing, but just call me. I'm your, I'm your man to do the funeral. Don't hold this against them. Bah, that is a Christ-like mercy right there. Second Corinthians, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly eternal weight of glory. Isn't that good? That's why when somebody's dying, we run in with the hope of the gospel. We really expecting God to do something. We, we really are. That's why we go to the hospitals. That's why we go to the down and out. That's why we go to those that are depressed. That we bring the gospel in the worst times of life. You know, we can have death working for us. We get people saved when they face death. They can't get off of drugs. Their marriage is not working. It's death. It just, to them, it's, it's, it's killing them. So that's why we end up right in those places. And death serves us. And we preach the gospel. And then life comes. Abundant life. 
supernatural life. Was that good? That's it. That death will serve us. And listen, death is just a threshold we step over. When we die, it's like, bloom, bloom. <laughs> That's it. It's just, bloom, bloom. We're in the presence of God. So if you're going through something, and it's bigger than what you are, you expect to see the glory of God and the word of God to come to you to rescue you. Amen? And also, uh, Stephen was a deacon. And so they elected him because he was faithful. And, so, and he, was, he was a scholar. He was really a scholar. Uh, some type of businessman because he needed to take care of the affairs of the church, the material things, the physical things. So he had to have his spending right. He had to have his savings right. He had to have his sowing right. He had to be integrous with his money, and he had to be integrous in a lot of other, other areas to serve in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he probably tithed. You know, if you can't give you 10%, you'll never give us 100%. Of you. So you understand people that give their 10%, they're able to give 100% to their church. I always, I mean, when I gave to my church, I was giving myself. I was giving all that I was. And uh, so tithing is not just about money. It's about priority. What's first? It's about priority. What's first? First fruits. That's first. And so that was my giving teaching. <laughs> and some of y'all feel that is death right now. But just expect to see the glory of God. Just expect to see Jesus. Listen, when you give tonight, Jesus is going to stand up. And listen, when Jesus, he was seated, resting. But when he saw Stephen, what he was doing, he stood up. And I believe when we're faithful in the faith of death, I think Jesus is standing up, saying, that's my, that's, my, that's my brother. Come on, somebody. Somebody stand up. Jesus is welcoming you. Stand up. You can make your checks out to RMI. Bring your tithe. And listen, uh, we have about 10, 12 people signed up for... Uh, foundations class but if you need to be in that class please sign up brother Clayton's going to be uh, taking care of that I want to pray for you let me pray for you close your eyes and just expect God to help you right where you are Lord I thank you that we are ready for the challenge we know that greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us we know God if you're for us who in the world, who in this world can be against us? We know if you didn't spare your only son, but you delivered him up for us, how shall you not with him freely give us all things? Lord, we know you are more for us than we are for you at times. But Lord, we want that to change. We want to see your glory. And so his glory is going to come in the difficult times. And so, Lord, we're ready. 
We let the world throw at us what they need to throw at us, but we're going to serve you. We're going to keep our eyes on you, and we're not going to be distracted by the worldly insults or the worldly attacks or anything, this, any charge that the world brings against us. We're going to keep our eyes on you. Like that New Living Translation says, he only could see God with his eyes. With his eyes, he only saw the Lord. Lord, bring us to that place. Bring us to that place like you took Paul up. Take us up, Lord, that all we can see is you. Lord, we want to see more of heaven. We want to see more of your glory. We want to see more of the risen king. We want to experience more of the lordship of the Holy Ghost on this earth in this day. And Lord, I thank you that in this time that you're going to raise people up in this church, people that are in the, in the background, obscure, not recognized, overlooked, also saw as not capable, some people being the least expected to do anything. I thank you, Lord, in their faithfulness, you see them and you will begin to cause them to rise up. I thank you, Lord. We watch leaders in this church come out of things and up in the glory realms of God and, and done so many things for you. And you're not a respecter of people. What you did in 1999, you'll do again in 2019. I thank you, Lord. This is 20 years we've been here. We have raised up people. We have sent people out. And here we are. And I thank you, Lord. You're not going to leave us alone. I thank you for the anointing and the power of God to begin to stir people up in this place and I thank you Lord for the strong very strong outpourings to come in our services that people would be put in a place and they'd be geared up and they'd be full of boldness and full of wisdom and full of the shikeda mahasakula the badande and Lord they would not have fear in any kind of way and so Lord Jesus our servant just stretch out your hand right now and cause your servants in this house to be bold cause them to rise up in prayer cause them to begin to prophesy Cause them to begin to praise you in the streets of our cities. Cause them to begin to preach the gospel of truth, even when it doesn't feel good, even when they're not getting the responses they want to get. Cause your people to rise up. Let the living word of God begin to be shaken up on the inside of them, that it would just be, let the oracles of God be uttered out of the people's mouths in this church, Lord. I thank you that you could be known and you could be seen. Father, I know it is your heart and it is your vision for your son to be revealed in this earth and in this day. And even in, even in the day of Stephen, people needed to see the real thing. People needed to see the love and the mercy and the truth and the wisdom of our King, Jesus Christ. And just as they needed it then, we need it in this earth today. And I thank you, Lord. You're raising up the deacons to deacon. You're raising up the deacon to preach. You're raising up the deacons to know the word. You're raising up the deacons, Lord God, to do the greater things than what you did, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I encourage this church 
even the people that are not here, I encourage them. I encourage them if they hear this tape or they hear me speak somewhere down the road. When you're preaching the gospel and nobody looks like they're responding, always know there could be a Paul paying attention. There could be a Saul watching the glory of God, watching a Stephen gaze into heaven, watching Stephen release forgiveness and release mercy and release the charge and not retaliate and not get mad. There's always a Saul watching you when you're preaching. Always a Saul watching you, listening in the background, in the, in the, in the uh, faraway place. Somebody, somebody's hearing what you're saying. And also, persecution. Paul went on a rampage. I think what Stephen did, it bothered him. It bothered him. He wasn't willing to step in the truth, so he had to kill it. But God dealt with him. Jesus got a hold of him. I believe that Stephen was his chief witness. I believe Stephen preached it to Paul, not even knowing it. So you need to know when you're not in this life, you're still being preached about. And, and you, could, you could have preached to people in your life that you never knew would accept the gospel and preach the gospel. And then Paul, you know, everybody was scattered. That was the purpose of God. I mean, once, once they killed Stephen, it was, it was on. He, it was on. Nobody touched a Christian until Stephen stood up. And once they killed Stephen, it was on. Total persecution. And every member of the church of Jesus Christ was scattered throughout the world. They were going beyond the Jews and now they're going to the Gentiles because somebody got persecuted and somebody did it right. The gospel kept being preached and it reached us today. Lord, I thank you. Make us bold as Stephen. Come on, Lord. Have, give us hearts like Stephen. Give us wisdom like Stephen. Give us a certainty like Stephen. Make us sound like Stephen. Fill us with the Holy Ghost like Stephen. Flood our hearts like you did with love like Stephen. Make us servants like Stephen. Give us integrity like Stephen. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm out of here. <laughs> Amen. God is good.